0: All right, uh, I'm talking on apostolic leadership. This will enable us to appreciate the present transition that is now within the body of Christ. Although so many of us are not so much abreast of what God is doing, we seem not to know the times and the seasons of God. And so we still continue to do ministry as usual. But God is actually calling for a change And a lot of things have to be redefined Hallelujah Now apostolic leadership I want to give a simple definition of an apostolic leader Or what leadership is here I simply call this the work of an apostolic leader Is influence As people gravitate Towards you For a mediatory role. As you bring them to the father. I'll take them again. I'll take that again. The work of an apostolic leader. Is influence. As people gravitate. Towards you. For a mediatory role. As you bring them to the father. In order that they might find a place of personal. Expression towards God in a father and son relationship. I'll go over it again. The work of apostolic leader is influenced as people gravitate towards you for a mediatory role as you bring them to the Father in order that they might find a place of personal expression towards God in a father and son relationship. This definition is very crucial. Now I'm going to read a scripture on this, which is Proverbs 14 verse 28. Proverbs 14 says, the mark of a good leader is loyal followers. Leadership is nothing without a following. I read this from I read this from the message translation. I'm trying to be very slow so that we can pick these things. Proverbs 40:28. The mark of a good leader is loyal followers. Leadership is nothing without a following. What are we trying to say here? A true apostolic leader doesn't and must not coerce people. Either by force or tricks to accept him as your leader. Jesus didn't force people to follow him. Jesus didn't use tricks to follow, I mean to get people to follow him. There are certain things that you must come to begin to do, to practice, to develop within your life that will enable people to seek you as your leader. Hallelujah. And also go on, you're going to understand something. Your leadership role is strictly one. And that is to play the role of a mediator. In other words, God people find, I mean, people find God through you as a leader. And you bring them to the place where they have to have that personal contact with God, and you must step aside. From being unduly influencing them in whatever decision they want to take in life. You can be consulted, but you are not permitted to dictate their lives. Only one man is allowed to dictate the life of the followers of Christ, and that is the Spirit of God. It is not your role to dictate people's lives. That is not an apostolic leader. When people went to David in the cave of Abdullam, it was not because he had something around him. He was a wealthy man. In fact, the Bible made us understand, you remember he was running away from Saul. So he had nothing. But yet people went to him. Why? Because there was something in his life that was attracting them. And so David could speak to these people and they would listen without coercion. If your leadership is that of coercion Or using tricks Or even using the scriptures to intimidate people So that they can respond to you You are not an apostolic leader of the 21st century Praise the living God And just like we read in Proverbs 14, 20, The mark of a good leader is loyal followers Loyal is the key word People don't follow you out of fear or intimidation how are your members responding to you? What is your relationship to your members? It's loyal followership. Not by coercion, not by intimidation of any kind. We have a lot of ministry going on today where people have to tell you certain things to intimidate you so that you can be part of them. So that you can respond to them. So that you can follow whatever thing they say. That is not an apostolic leader. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get down to Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-one. Your role is to get these people to know the Lord, and when they come to know the Lord, my friend, you have to allow them to seek His face, God, out to personally speak to them, just like He talks to you. Second Corinthians one. I'm reading from verse twenty-one. The scripture says, "Now He, which has established up with you in Christ, and has anointed us is God." Who had also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts Moreover I call God for a record upon my soul That to spare you I came not As yet unto Corinth Not for that we Have dominion Over your faith But I helpers of your Joy for by faith ye stand Can you get that We do Not have dominion Over your faith That is the state that we are today. That is what you must begin to embrace. The key thing is, no man has dominion as a pastor or otherwise over the fate of the people. We don't. So don't permit any game or gimmicks that is going on in in Christianity today, either by way of prophecy, you make some prophecy to intimidate people so that they can respond and follow you. You are not a true apostolic leader. People can literally tell you sometimes... I will pray and you will suffer... Or I will do this and we do that... That is not an apostolic principle... Hallelujah... We do not have dominion... Over your faith... For by faith... You stand... Amen... Okay... The word dominion is very crucial... It means to rule... To have dominion... To lord... To be lord of To exercise lordship over you, you don't have the right To lord it over anybody As a leader As a Christian leader As an apostolic leader Of the season that we are Why? Because when you bring them to God They must come to a place where God begins to talk to them Again they have the ratings Are you still there with me? It is the father and son relationship Like I said that can increase the divine nature Within us Which is the ultimate goal of ministry What is the ultimate goal of ministry Why are you in leadership Why are you doing what you are doing The scripture says Galatians 4 verse 19 My little children Of whom I travel in bed again Until Christ be formed in you That's all Until Christ be formed in you Galatians 4.19 Are you picking it? My little children of whom I travel in bad pain Again, until Christ Be formed in you That is the ultimate goal of ministry When you bring people to the place Where Christ is formed in them You allow the spirit of the son In them to begin to relate To God as their father It is the formation of Christ That is what you are called for that is why you can't dictate people's life. You don't lord it over them. You don't. You, know, you can't determine the life of people. Only Christ can. Your goal is to bring them to the place of personal relationship, where now they have God as who as their Father. Are you following me? Okay. So, when these relationship come to be, when Christ is found in them, there is a growth process. And there's a kind of communal relationship between these people and God himself. That is your role at a, as a leader. Little children, the world says here, actually talking about Christian converts or darling, young ones, because the Greek word there is techno. In other words, you are dealing with a people who doesn't seem to know they are young, but they are bringing them to a the place of maturity where they can be able to identify who God is and they can relate to God as their father. Are you there with me? Okay. The word form in the Greek is morphe. M-O-R-P-H-E. And it's talking about through the idea of adjustment of parts. a shaping. The adjustment of parts. What does that mean? You are bringing people to the place of the adjustment of their mentalities in terms of the understanding between them and God, in fact, who they were or who they are or who they are supposed to be. Originally, we are God's children, remember? Before the fall. But after the fall, there seems to have been that man loses consciousness. Now your role is to adjust the mindset of people so that they can know and discover who they really are through the adjustment of parts. A shaping together you're shaping people who doesn't seem to know who they are in life and in creation that is a true leadership of this season and so if you have a fellowship where people are they don't seem to know who God is in fact, there are still such group of people who are tossed to and fro uh, looking for bearing and they don't seem to know where they are going and so every wind of doctrine takes them out to do one thing or the other, you are not functioning as an apostolic leader. You can't run a church and your members are swayed every day by what people preach. You are an apostolic leader. You are not yet functioning as a leader in the new season. Are you still there with me? The people you lead must be grinded in the word and in the faith. They should be able to know They are left from their right, and that only comes when they begin to discover, in the true sense of it, who they are in relation to God. But you see, if you watch today, all manner of posters, all manner of bills, and you see, see the same people running from one local assembly to another. What exactly are they looking for? And all manner of things are coming up. We're going to deal with that in part two, because some of us could be involved. All manner of things coming into the body of Christ And people are going into it In the name of, oh yes, it's working That the thing is working doesn't make it God Even if a prophecy is true Doesn't make it God Because Isaiah chapter 8 Tells us precisely, 19 to 20 There are people who function With the spirit of divination And the spirit of wizardry Wizardry is not talking about witchcraft Wizardry has to do with knowledge so the knowledge, the source of the knowledge which we that and prophesy, that is what is important. It is not the accuracy of the prophecy. Those said that were following Paul, were telling them, these are men that have come to give us salvation. Remember that in the book of Acts. But we got to realize that this lady was not using the spirit of God. She was using the spirit of divination. When Paul shut her down, she couldn't utter a word anymore. So, the key was not, I mean, the key thing was not because she was saying the truth. The key thing is what is the source of her knowledge. And so, allowing your people to be tossed to and fro by all manner of things is a clear indication that you are not doing ministry as it ought to be done. You are not yet an apostolic leader in that sense. Am I talking to someone here? Okay. So we're talking about adjustments of parts. We must raise our people to the place of maturity, to the place of strength, to the place of dominion, to the place of power. And I want to emphasize, you are not permitted, the scripture did not give you any right to lord it over anybody, no matter how powerful your ministry is. We are under-shepherd. Christ is the shepherd. We are under-shepherd. The they are only submitting to Christ, not necessarily submitting to you. Even if they submit to you, it is submission to Christ. You must understand that. You do not have the right. Paul said it expressly. We do not have dominion over your faith. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's move on to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me say something here. Are you there? 2 Peter 1, verse 1. Samuel Peter is servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and people multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. To the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. Whereby giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these they might be partakers of what? The divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in world through laws. I told you before that when Christ is properly formed in you, you are now beginning to partake of the divine nature of the Lord which has to do with the father and son relationship so we as believers must come to this place and the leadership of the church should be the people to bring God to this place where we can partake of this remember the scripture says we partake of this through knowledge so the role you play is to equip these people through accurate knowledge, and as they begin to see and discover and relate to Christ, the divine nature of God will begin to be implanted and impregnated into them. Now they have a direct relationship to God. I told us yesterday, remember, when they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, they simply say, Our Father, which are in heaven. What he meant to say is this my father is your father. So if I can talk to him, you can also talk to him. Is anybody following this? Christ himself stepped out and, and led these people to Christ. Now maybe later in the day, or as the case, maybe I want to make you understand. You have to understand that even the midwifery rule of Jesus Christ has an end. And that's a shocking thing for you to understand, but the scripture proved that in 1 Corinthians 15. We may be able to read that maybe in the evening. The role of Christ has a name because the ultimate goal of Christ is you had a problem with your father through Adam. He came to mediate to bring you back that you may have the relationship of a father and a son once more. And was that is established, his steps are died. I told you yesterday that one of the major reasons why we have the prophetic ministry. I'm not running down. Somebody should have to get me right. One of the major reasons why we have the prophetic ministry Was simply because The children of Israel and Sinai refused to hear God Are you there? They refused to hear God God was speaking to them And he said, we don't want to hear anymore Talk to Moses and let him talk to us And God said, okay, that's the case, no problem You have well spoken He raised up Moses and thereafter he said, I'm also going to raise another prophet like unto you for the people. So the prophetic ministry actually came into place in that sense because somebody refused to listen to God. And when Jesus came, he simply said, my sheep hear my voice. Now he doesn't say hear it through an intermediary. You've got to hear him for yourself. I've only emphasized this. You don't know God by description all by the titles they shall make a disc all of those stuff that we talk about in church that is not a proof that you know God hallelujah what makes you know God is when you begin to hear God remember in the garden what happened the Bible says Adam and Eve knew that God was present because they did what they heard the voice of God when Jesus resurrected can you remember that The only way for Mary to know that this was Jesus was when he called her. The first time he thought she was a gardener. Are you sitting with me? He said, if you know where they have laid him, please let me have him. And Jesus said, Mary. And Mary Sarah, Bonnie. That was the first time she could recognize that Jesus was alive. Through the voice. Because he takes up any shape and any form at any time. So you don't know God by physical structure. You've got no God and you can only hear God and know God through the voice. So if you raise a church where people can hear God for themselves, you are not doing the work of ministry or leadership. You are playing church. You are still trying to stay in such a place where everybody must rally around you to have answers to the prayer. You are not doing the work of ministry. You are not a true leader of the new season that we are. Are you still there? Partakers, that one is very important. Means to associate, companion, fellowship, and divine nature. It says, speaking of the divinity of the Godhead. What it means is, through knowledge, you are connected to the Godhead. You are coming to the place of partaking of the ministry of the Godhead. Are you there? Now, somebody has to bring you to this level of understanding. Praise the living God. The one nation is very important. Divine nature. Very, very important. It talks about natural production. Linear descent. That's the key thing I want there. In other words, when we become particular of divine nature, we are connecting to the genealogy of God himself. That's why I was sharing a Wednesday. I remember I made mention of that. Sometimes you get to believe or people teach you that you are an adopted child. Said so the Lord adopted us. God doesn't adopt people. Are you there with me? That's a wrong concept. That's a Western concept. Adoption in a Western concept is somebody who does not have a father and somebody has to take him in and take care of him. God is our father, and a father does not adopt his own child. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the Bible talks about adoption, You have to understand it from the Hebrew context. And adoption in the Hebrew context means you are mature enough to take responsibility so your father made proclamation for creation or for people to know that this man's son is mature enough to step into my shoes. That's what adoption means in the Hebrew context. Because we have the same blood with God, so God cannot adopt us because we are his children. Am I communicating? So when you read the Bible and you see the word adoption, don't be fooled to think that you are Adopted because you never had a God before. Luke 3 tells us that the genealogy of every man can be traced back to Adam and can be traced back to God. We have one blood, one blonde line. That's why I call it natural descent or linear descent, which has to do with genealogy. So the divine nature that we are partaking, in, in fact, is an awareness of who we were, which we lost through the fall. Now through knowledge we are getting connected That my blood is not just my blood My blood is directly connected To God himself And so God is my father Do you understand this? What connects you is through the blood That's why I find that Joseph was not the father of Jesus Because that which was in Mary Was of the Holy Ghost That means Jesus took his bloodline From God And took his human flesh from Mary That is why he was both the son of God And the son of man are you getting this? So, what am I trying to say? You don't teach people and make them slaves in the house of God. Who can find bearing? Who can have access to who God is except through you? Don't you forget what Paul said? We do not have dominion over your faith. Very express and very important. Hallelujah. Are you still there? Galatians 1. We have to rush this. I think you have barely one hour to do what I'm doing. Galatians 1 verse 3 to 4. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and what? Our Father. Look at what Paul said. Now Paul is already identifying with what Jesus told the apostles. When you pray, pray this way. Our Father which are in heaven. Are you getting this? And Paul is writing to the Galatian church And he's also saying God is now what? Our father I want you to know that So how many persons in your fellowship Can rightly stand up to say God is our father I explained to you yesterday God is a universal concept Fatherhood is a relationship That has to do with those who are born again The whole world has God But we will believe has God as our father and there's a big difference between having God as your father and having God as God all up there. That is why we can't relate well because we think our father is not supposed to be with us. He's up there in heaven. We are down here on earth. That's religious concept about who God is and who Christianity is supposed to be or what Christians are supposed to be. I was speaking in Portagot a few days, in the true sense, God might called us Christians. I'm sure you know that. Because the Bible says... As many as believe, you get power to become the sons of God. You don't have power to become Christians. It is when you begin to live out the life of the power, people now say, this one is a Christian. So carrying a title that you're a Christian doesn't make you one. What makes you one is a power. God is not looking for Christians, he's looking for sons. Creation is waiting for sons, he's not waiting for Christians. Am I talking to someone here? You must bring people to the place where they have to discover the dominion they lost. I repeat myself, and I said that yesterday, we didn't lose heaven, we lost authority, we lost dominion. And that's what Jesus came to restore. Are you there with me? Turn to Luke chapter 11. We read that yesterday as well. You can also pick it up. They came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And Jesus began to say, because John taught his disciples to pray. So the key thing is, Prayer has to do with discovering the will of God. And Jesus simply said, when you pray, say this, our Father, which are in heaven, that will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. So we are talking about expressing the will of God. And the connection is, when you become a son, you do his will on the face of the earth. So prayer in the true sense is discovering the will of God or discovering what is the intent and the mind of God. Some of us are so confused that we don't understand what we are praying about or praying for, and sometimes we join the whole world because they are making success, without knowing that error permeated the body of Christ and join them in all kind of minor fire prayers and all manner of things that have nothing to do with God. Jesus, they teach us to pray, say, "Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come." They were specific and direct to the Father. It was a thing of a relationship. Hallelujah. Okay, let me deal with the issue of the nature of authority so that I can be able to finish what I have here. The nature of authority. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 8. Let me give you a simple illustration about the issue of this authority I'm talking about and how that we do not have absolute control over the people we minister to. How many of you have ever attended a wedding ceremony? And many of you do conduct weddings? Ministers, yeah. You'll be conducting weddings, or you attend wedding ceremony. Am I right? You know, sometimes there is a question that comes up and said, if there is anybody here who is not in support or who is not willing, he should lift up his hand or forevermore keep silent before the priest continues to officiate. Have you heard some things like that? Now, for instance, if anybody stands up either from the man's side or the woman's side and they say, okay, I'm against this marriage. Will the priest continue the wedding? What does that indicate to you? That you do not have absolute authority over the people that you are ministering to. Even their relationship have more authority over you. Because they can decide you not to do the wedding or to continue with the wedding. Are you following what I'm talking about? That is how limited your authority is the fact that people call us daddy must not make our head become big we should still know our boundaries in relation to how we deal with people are you catching this yes, the nature of authority Second Corinthians 8 10 verse number 8 are you there it said for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority which the Lord had given us for edification and not for your destruction I should not be ashamed very precise direct to the point read it again Are you there? For though, as you boast, somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us, what does he give us for? For edification, and not for your destruction, as you not boast. That is the definition of the kind of authority we have as ministers of the gospel. What is it for? For edification. Are you still there with me? And not for destruction. Please mark those two words. If your ministry cannot raise people to become matured, you are not here doing ministry. It doesn't matter how many people are following you. It doesn't matter how much the crowd you gathered. If they don't know their father, if they are not maturing as he should be, you have not started ministry. Your ministry. And the authority you have received. Is an abuse. Because. You are reducing. Humanity. In fact the sons of God. To the level of slavery. Beggarly element if I may use the word. In the house of faith. Our authority. Is for what? Edification. Edification. Hallelujah. Very important. The word authority actually is from the Greek word "exousia," which has to do in the sense of ability, privilege. It means force, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery, magistrate. Very important you understand it. What is, what was it trying to say? Authority is a delegated responsibility. Let me explain something. If you are driving on the road and you come to a place where the policeman or a military man just raised up his hand, what's the next response for you who is driving? You're going to stop. He didn't say anything. He's not as big as you. The vehicle can crush him. But he could stand on the road and lift up his hand. That's all. You are going to stop. Why? You recognize that this man is acting under the government authority. That's what authority means. But you see, the policeman cannot step beyond his bounds. He could still be sacked, or anything else can happen. He still functions within defined rules. Am I communicating? He cannot abuse the authority. Or else, he could be sacked, he could be, anything can even happen to him. So, what am I trying to communicate? Paul said we do not have dominion over, but we have authority. But our authority is to lift you, is to edify you, is to build you. It's not to destroy you. So you must know the level and the boundary of the influence you have over people's life. You are only delegated to do what you are doing, you are not your God. Don't play God because you are a minister. Am I communicating to someone? Don't play God because you are a minister. Thinking that somebody cannot survive because of you. Or if you are not there, then he's finished. You're deceiving yourself. You are not God. And you can never be God just because you carry a collar or something. edification. Very important. The word actually has to do with architecture. You see, it has to do with building, confirming. What it's actually trying to say is, when you say our authority is for edification, it means we need to shape your life because we have the design of the framework that God has so given for us to explain to you what and who your life really is supposed to be. He said, our authority is for what? Edification. To build you up, to raise you to the place of stature. See, come to think about it. The Bible said the fire from ministry Give, give you for edification Remember that? Ephesians. Are you still there with me? For edification And he said until we all come To the place Of the stature of the measure of who? Of Christ If your ministry cannot raise people to become mature enough To take responsibility for their life You are not a leader You are an imposter. You are just like Hitler in a religious gap where people must submit to every dictate you gave or else they will go to hell. (laughs) You don't use force. Let me tell you something. You know why my definition is so crucial? The people that even allowed and made Hitler to fall were his own people. That's why I said loyal followership is what defines a true leader. Because if somebody is loyal to you, he will not betray you. Are you still there with me? Hitler was strong, but was using force. His own people betrayed him, and he was killed. Or he died, he killed himself, as the case may be. Are you still following that? So I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Influence based on loyal followership. I can't cajole people to be with me, either by tricks or otherwise, just because I have to be their pastor. When it comes to the place where I discover that these people's hearts are no longer for me, they are completely no longer for me. I don't have to use anything to make them be with me or by me. Then I don't have them. For people to be calling you daddy doesn't mean they are loyal to you. Because it's a religious title. Every Roman Catholic father is a father. But that does not make them father to everybody. Am I talking to someone here? Later, in part 2 we we're going to explain that more. Not saying some things which your people should know for their freedom. Because you feel when they know it for their freedom, they will no longer be loyal to you. That itself is an embarrassment to the office you occupy. Because the day they get to discover it, you become a secondhand material. We'll come to that in part two of this lecture. Are you still there with me? Proverbs 16, verse number 10. I like this. I'm reading from the message translation. I want to also encourage some of you to get other translations, because... He goes talk with the the old kingdoms, not even the new kingdoms, the old kingdoms. <laughs> but I like it in the the message translation. Are we all there? Proverbs 16 verse number 10. A good leader motivates, doesn't mislead, doesn't exploit. Did you like that? hallelujah listen again a good leader motivates what does he do? he motivates he doesn't mislead and he doesn't exploit now check the church today and see what kind of leadership we have hmm? when you go to meetings and you hear all kind of things going on in the name of fundraising that is exploitation. That is no leadership in biblical context. Exploitation. The other day somebody told me and they said they had a program. Pastor announced a program and said, unseat Pharaoh. And what does that mean? It, to, for you to unseat Pharaoh, you come to church with a plastic chair. They just finished the building and there were no chairs. Now, you bring your chair and sit it down and when the time comes for you to unseat Pharaoh, you stand up and speak to Pharaoh and beat hell out of Pharaoh. And <coughs> excuse me. And when you are leaving church, you leave behind your plastic chair. That was the program. Unseating Pharaoh. Exploitation. Religious tricks. In fact, what we have now is glory things. Mm? Do you remember how Phineas and Phineas? They were. Walking in glory. So now we have what we call glory things. In the house of God. Exploitation. All manner of formulas are now being employed. To rake money. Or raise funds. Is that you raise or you rake? Exploitation. Listen to me. A good leader does what? Motivates People. It doesn't mislead and it doesn't do what? Exploit. Why are the people being exploited? Because they are actually in ignorance. The priest ought to show them knowledge. The scripture says, The mouth of the priest shall they seek knowledge. Now you know they are ignorant, so you don't want to tell them the truth. So you exploit their weakness and ignorance for your own benefit. You see what I'm saying here? I want you to take note of that. Go read the other translations on that Proverbs 16 verse 10. I personally like it from the message translation. A good leader, not just a leader, a good one. Motivates people, which has to do with edification. Motivates people. Doesn't mislead, doesn't exploit. Don't look at the weakness and the ignorance of your people and exploit them to your own advantage. You are not doing ministry. You are using name of the Lord. For stealing, according to Max Romeo, stealing in the name of the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Turn to Jeremiah twelve, verse number ten. Leadership. Jeremiah twelve, verse number ten. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. <laughs> they have trodden my portion on their feet. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Now I want you to know that many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. Where is the vineyard of the Lord? The church. Who are the people destroying this, this, this vineyard? The pastors. Maybe, maybe some of you have never heard that before. And let me say it. How many of you know John 1010? The thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy. You have already been told that have to do with the devil. Can I tell you today that have nothing to do with the devil? It has all the more to do with pastors. Go and read the book. John 10, 10 is not a devil business, it's a pastor's issue. If you want to understand that, read it closely from John chapter 9. Jesus was addressing the Pharisees. He wasn't talking to a devil. He said, All that came before me, they are thieves and they are robbers. Was it all that came? Does it mean the devil came before me? Is that what it means? No. All the ministries that ever came before me, they are thieves and robbers because they can give life. And so the thief come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So pastors come to the church to kill, to steal, and to destroy the people instead of edifying them. Reduce them to people that have no mind of their own anymore. Go to church and tell them anything. They, say, Amen. Your father will be sick. Amen. The world is ending tomorrow. Amen. They don't have anything else to say. They don't have mind of their own. God never said throw away your mind. He said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't throw your mind away because you carry one book called Bible. Listen to me. The Bible is not the word of God until there is a revelation of what God is saying in the word. Otherwise, it's a book that anybody can read. Hallelujah. So he say, My pastor I've destroyed my vineyard. Leadership have destroyed my vineyard. Okay. Let's begin to run up because I got a signal that I'm almost true. Jeremiah 3.15. Is <laughs> This is kind of serious. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3.15, let's look at that. Maybe I could be able to pack up from here. Are you still there? Jeremiah 3.15. No, pastors won't like this kind of thing because he's taken away from the apostles. Eh? No problem. We don't have to do the father's business as it should be done. Are you still there with me? That which is written is written. If God intends that you're going to be a big man because you're a pastor, you will always be. You don't need any trick to do that. For that which is written, is written. You have a destiny before you came into life. God has shaped it. You only need to discover it and walk into your future. You walk into your future. From now. So don't use tricks to become big or anything. Everything is available to you. In fact, you have it all. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 3.15 And I will give you pastors according to my heart. And I'm sure you are part of it now. There is a call for other people who can understand the heart of God and deliver as it should be. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. Verse 15 says, Verse 15 I said. I will give you pastors according to my heart. Now, the, the word pastors here means either the king or the prophet in those times. And it also stands for leadership. I'm trying to give you some explanation. Hallelujah. So, you should understand this. He's talking about leadership. Pastors, he is talking about leadership as well. And he said, This shall be according to God's own heart. They shall be his own chosen. The people he chose for himself. And shall be qualified by himself. In consequence, they shall feed the people with knowledge. The divine truth concerning the true God and the best interest of man, which was essentially necessary to their salvation, and then understanding. Hallelujah. When understanding comes, they will become wise, they can be able to live the life that God ultimately has in mind for them. The word knowledge actually is yoda in the Hebrew. It means to know properly, to ascertain by seeing, used in a great variety of ways. Hallelujah. I final word is Jeremiah 23 verse 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture," saith the Lord. Can we say amen to that? Amen. <laughs> that is serious. <laughs> but that is God's word. You see what I'm trying to say? It doesn't matter how far may we go. There is a curse pronounced on people who will not do God's will and bring people to the place of edification that is a cause pronounced for the people do you understand what I'm saying let us understand that this is not our personal business I told us yesterday the Bible said we are co-laborers with God let us labor based on his own principles we don't have to labor based on the things we see or what we hear are you sitting with me i just came back from Benjamin was sharing something with me very funny one bishop that he was supposed to be ministering for and he called him and he said do you call do you believe in calling numbers master said I preach your word he said I mean do you call numbers phone numbers so what was the idea if you say yes then you have to give you some numbers of those in congregation so you don't know what is going on and so assuming you say yes then I will have Located some people, give him the numbers, and then as you begins, yeah, you have to you get a fast brain to It's a simple thing. And then you call the number, say the word of knowledge. Who has this number? 08034. You understand that? I said, well, oh, this is a great man of God. I said, the Lord is speaking to you now. He just gave me your number. God said, you should bring maybe 50 euros or 60 euros. That kind of thing. And that is the kind of ministry that we are running. War unto the pastors. What he was saying have order for the seed, I was in that conference. The minister went to a conference. Where there were about three hundred ministers just have we are now. This was a big one, three hundred people. And there was this man that came, actually, he has the grace of prophetic entrance auction in his life. And he came in that he stopped ministration and he said, The Lord is speaking to me. And they say, Pastor here that used the son for rituals for his church to grow. And almost about 26 to 28 pastors stood up. Because he told them, the Lord is saying, you are going to die within four days. And about 28 pastors came out. Church growth. Church growth. When when you begin to execute, literally, your child, because you want to have a ministry. What do you want in life? You want it to be very big. So that you can have big money or whatever the case may be. And drive big cars, all the kind of stuff. You are deceiving yourself. Scripture says, Woe unto those pastors. That destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastures here the Lord. Do you know most ministries, they don't even know they are left from their right? Hallelujah. A lot of ministries don't know they are left from their right. I'm talking of the lead at the membership. They don't know why they are in church. They don't even know why they come to church. The only thing they know is how you can make money. Maybe just begin to tell you the more you give. I remember the other day a lady came to me looking for a husband for how many years now and he said, somebody came and he said, yeah, a covenant of salt. And that depending on the quantity of salt I buy, that would determine the husband that comes to me. So how much have you bought? He about one or five thousand. He hasn't come. I said, increase it. Increase it. Hallelujah. Coming out of salt. Why don't you go to the market and buy salt if that's what we give your husband? Buy it and tell anybody to pray about it. In fact, the Bible talks about you laying hands and the thing is sanctified. So you buy the salt and sanctify it and drink it. Ignorance. And people are making good money out of you. I encourage people like that. As long as they are not prepared to learn, may I teach them. You can even say sand in a bottle. Christians will buy. Now, olive oil is the bigger the size, the heavier the anointing in olive oil. So I told his sister, I will sell you olive oil. Don't sell small bottles anymore, sell big jars and make more money out of the foolish people who don't know their left from their right. I repeat and I quote I mean, I'm going to round up here. Leadership is divine influence of people gravitating towards you it's not going to be by coercion it's not going to be by force it's a loyal followership that you play the role of a mediator to bring them to their father and once they begin to identify with God you must step aside and stop on due control and influence because the was said we do not have dominion over your faith. God bless you.